Welcome to the Men Among Demons podcast. In a disoriented world, this is the podcast that asks what would happen if we truly put Christ at the center of our thinking. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Opperwall. And I'm your host, Dr. Greg Weeb. Hi, Greg. Hey, man. Well, welcome, uh, welcome back, Father Deacon Greg. Uh, thanks. Welcome back yourself. Yeah, well, we can both welcome each other back since we're both officially hosts <laughs> yes, of this show. Yes. I'm not your guest, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, no. We are each other's hosts and guests simultaneously. Uh, but you've been guess. on the road and you've uh, you've become a, 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 an Orthodox deacon. That's since true. we last uh, aired an episode, not since the last time I saw you, but since the last time we recorded an episode, you uh, you became a deacon. That's right. Took the plunge. Took made was made a sacrifice. Was set aside, set apart, set apart. Yeah, how's for service. Uh, how, how's it been for you? Um, uh, it's been very good. Yep, it's been a it has been a blessing. That's funny thinking about that term. Um, always quite quite conscious of it because it's one of those words that gets bandied about quite a bit, but it's the kind of, it's been the kind of event and series of events that make it feel like, no, that that's the, that is the word for it. That is what that word is for. <laughs> that's like, interesting. Yeah. Every it's, um, you know, there's been some, uh, it, you know, intensity to it. Uh, especially since about a month and a half after I became a deacon, there was the archdiocesan assembly. So everyone gathering from all over our extremely large um, archdiocese of Canada to get together. Well, geographically large. You geographically mean, large. Not, yeah, yeah. Not, not uh, membership large necessarily, but uh, yeah, from all over. And uh, I, I had a chance to serve uh, uh, as a deacon with um, <clears throat> his grace, uh, Bishop Alexei from Alaska, Sitka in Alaska, and uh, primatial liturgy with Metropolitan Deacon. And, and so that's all, that was all very intense as a noob. Um, uh, his eminence called, you know, pointed out that I was the baby for everyone, made sure that everyone knew that I was the baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no. So, but it was so like, yeah, the blessing, it's been, it's just been really, really good, <laughs> but not in a way that it's like um, easy or 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 uh, I don't know. It just as a real like the fit has been so good for my life since then. So why um, why is that? Why? Um, why why has it been a fit? Why does it why does it feel like a fit? Yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like uh, we had a whole other topic that we seconds yeah. ago discussed. But and you, yeah, you're getting me kind of interested in in, in this, even, even within the lens of our podcast, because uh-huh. you know, you just you just said blessing, so I'm immediately thinking, you know, that that's an interesting thing to, to chew on a little bit in terms of what that means in in a world like ours, how a uh-huh. blessing works, what that means, having you unpack that, and it also occurs to me that you know, you're kind of on the other side. Uh, at least on the other side from me now of of the liturgy, and um, you know, I wonder if it gives you any perspective or or anything. And yeah, if anything new has occurred to you about how that works and its place in in this uh-huh. you know crazy modern world of ours, 
Um, but but you know to get it to get at that, I wonder if you know why why do you feel it's a fit for you? What does that yeah. mean? Yeah, like when I when I when I say that it's a blessing, I I mean like there's it's just a very clear perception that I have of things coming together, mm-hmm. things really coming together. Um, the the aptitudes, like it's just felt it's felt right uh, for me and for my trajectory. Um, but well, why? Yeah, I mean, is, is it is this a practical thing? Is it just kind of a? It sounds. I mean, it just feels like there's something deeper there that gets at the meaning of life. Maybe, um, like, what's you? It sounds like you feel a little closer to your purpose. If, if right, I can say that. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. That's that's what it. That's what it. That's what it feels like. That's what it seems like. Um, so part of that is going to be aptitudes, right? The certain things or talents or whatever, like there's certain things that I have a, that I have a knack for or an interest in, um, that, uh, that, that are, that get engaged when I'm doing the work of a deacon. I mean, maybe we should back, maybe we should back up and I, you know, I don't know how many non-Orthodox listeners we have, but yeah, like, we have some, we have some, we have some. So the, the, the role of the deacon is it's just a particular role. So right for, for, uh, the Orthodox church, we, um, we have minor and major orders of clergy and the deacon is the lowest rank of the major orders of clergy, so-called major order, right? So deacon, deacon, priest or presbyter, uh, and, and bishop. And, um, <clears throat> And generally speaking, in our culture, it's uh, it's you know by and large a liturgical role, right? Uh, so usually with presbyters, priests, uh, there is a certain level of responsibility for communities that comes with that. That isn't quite yet part of the diaconate, uh, although there is. I mean, there is an up, an increased level of kind of fatherhood for the community. And so people will refer to me as Father uh, Gregory or Father Deacon Gregory or De- or just Deacon Gregory and so forth. So there is that notion of parent of parenthood, but it is, but still, you know, I'm I'm assigned to a church that has someone um, more responsible for overseeing things than me. So it's primarily a, a liturgical role, and that liturgical role is kind of one at the same time to be both. Um, the junior leader of the altar, right? The junior, like the kind of the, the, the lowest rank of the senior servers of the altar, because there are, um, you know, uh, candle bearers, you know, acolytes or, um, uh, altar servers, which is called altar servers frequently or subdeacons who are kind of the gophers and go-getters of, of the altar. Um, but as far as those sort of directly serving the table, the altar as a table, who can are even permitted, sort of permitted to touch it, not sort of, literally, um, the deacon is the junior. So on the one hand, you're kind of the junior in the in the altar. But as like as soon as you leave the the presence of the the altar and and pass out of the iconostas, the icon stand, and into the nave of the church, uh, you're kind of the lead member of the laity. So, so a lot of your function is to, um, uh, is to lead people in prayer. 
let us uh, again and again in peace pray to the Lord, right? I'm saying on behalf of everyone so that we can we can all say, Lord, have mercy together. We can all say amen together. And that's a little different than what the priest does, right? The, what the priest will do is, is um, uh, sort of address address God, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit more more directly and then pronounce blessings upon the rest of us uh, uh, sort of on, on behalf of uh, uh, um, pronounce the blessings of God uh, for us. And that's not a diaconal role. So it's, it's, you know, you're literally standing up at the front, uh, attending, holding your, holding your Ararian up and, and leading the people in their, in the people's prayers. So uh, it's a really interesting in, like interface role, right? It's a really interesting back and forth role. And then when you circle back into the altar, you're kind of the you're kind of the master of ceremonies, right? You're the MC who's sort of running around telling people what to do. Uh, you know, bless this, bless that. Uh, uh, you're telling very much. You're telling the priest. And and once if if you've seen good deacons around, if you know sort of get a handle for the liturgy, uh, you know that when when bishops come to town and so forth and the liturgies get complicated, what you want more than anything is a deacon who knows his stuff because the, because the deacons like really are the ones who um, kind of guide and lead the liturgy through uh, the liturgy can be served without a deacon, but Things just, it's like a, a, like you can't have a well-oiled machine without a, without a good deacon. Which is why bit, the bishops, uh, it's a bit of inside baseball, but bishops will usually travel with a proto-deacon, so the head yeah. deacon of all the deacons in that diocese uh, usually travels with the bishop to, to assist precisely uh, yep. at these liturgies run by a bishop, which is a, most, most communities only do, you know, maybe once a year, or a couple times a year. And so that proto-deacon is there to, to do what you're describing and, so it's Make like it's sure an interesting it that in and of itself is an interesting kind of reflection of the nature of hierarchy in in the church. It's like somehow the the proto deacon kind of becomes the boss. He's outranked, formally speaking, right? Quote unquote, outranked by all the priests and the bishop who are there, right? And yet, like everyone, you, you, sh- you shut up and listen to him. I mean, everyone shuts up and listens in in, in practice, one hundred percent. He's completely yeah. in charge He's, of an Episcopal energy. And a proto deacon, or even you know, uh, just a senior deacon. From for when I was ordained, we had um, a wonderful deacon Denis. Uh, as I'm, I love that man, and now we've had a couple of chances to interact uh, and. Like I just have this feeling of of respect and love for this for this guy who could just come in and just take charge and guide people. Okay, you need to be here. You need to be there. This is what's going to happen. You know, da 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 da. And uh, you just love these. You love these guys like fathers. Uh, uh, the way the way they uh, can just guide you through a tri- you know tricky scenario, which which these liturgies are. They're very tricky. Um, just cause they, they tend to be quite, there's, there's so much going on that you're not used to doing, but, um, so anyway, that's, yeah, that's the kind of deacon, uh, that's the kind of the role of the deacon. And so step, stepping into that has been really interesting and it's, uh, you know, p- part of it in terms of fit, like I had been the, I had been the, um, choir director at St. Nicholas for a number of years. 
Um, and that is its own, like, largely, largely unsung uh, leadership role. Like, you really have to be a leader as a as a choir leader, as a choir director. That is a legit leadership. And I will I will tell everybody that when I first started serving altar as an altar server, like one of the first things that sort of impressed upon me is just how much of the service really is about the about the people. Like there's this kind of perception as a, as a lady that like, uh, you know, among the people in the nave that there's all sorts of things going on in the altar and you can't quite see them all. And there must always be doing these things. And we're just kind of a kind of a sideshow. And it's not true. It's not true. It very much is this dance between the altar and and the people led in in one sense by the deacon, but in another sense by the choir. Um, very much a dance. And there's there's a lot of time that that, you know, it's the, the important thing that's happening is what the people are doing. So, so why does that matter? So you you're take you're finding a space, a role within a community, and <clears throat> like I said, the, the questions that I kept kicking up in my mind is, what is the purpose of people? What's the purpose of human beings? And what's what's the purpose of communities? Why do they matter? Whether in prayer or or in general, I don't know if those questions are too diffuse, but it seems like there's something significant there and that we gather for liturgy we gather for a service and we we require some kind of order you know the role of the deacon that you're describing is to a large degree about maintaining you know an order so that we whatever we say the right things at the right time or appropriate things um uh, we say extemporaneous things at the right time you know things have to happen in a certain we don't just all go in there and just go just willy-nilly do whatever which some some christian communities kind of almost do or or try to do it sometimes but um but that doesn't seem to be the instinct of the orthodox church anyway that there's there's an ordered thing and then we have specific leaders playing specific roles to maintain that order. Um, in, it's interesting how you point to a, a kind of charismatic leadership as well. You know, the hierarchy is not strict. It, it is, yeah. is not, it's not some kind of absolute thing. Like it's, there are, there are these roles uh, and, and when it's corrupt and, and not working well, it can become, you know, very hierarchical, it can become very much about power and exertion of power. But when it's working well, it, it really isn't about that. It's about people playing their role really well. I've, I've, people sometimes ask me about the role of women in the church or, or female clergy, which is another sort of angle we could even take on all this, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, there's many complex issues there, but one of the things I point out is that it feels very organic to me as an Orthodox Christian, that if you have a room full of bishops and, you know, an abbess or just some nun who is regarded, you know, well known for, for humility and holiness and wisdom walks into that room and opens her mouth uh, all of those bishops will shut up mm-hmm. and listen, and well, mm-hmm. and well, should they? Because mm-hmm. it's not just you know, it's not the military, right? <laughs> you That's have, right. You have the rank, but there is an order, right? It's yes. not an absolute. It there's this constant 
attention. So, I mean, what does that reflect about community or people or what the hell we're even doing here in this life? Do you, do you think yeah, this, this yeah. sense of needing well, order? This is all, yeah, this is all, this is all part of it. This is all directly to the point um, that what we're doing is uh, participating in our destiny in church, participating in our destiny uh, in to be, to be collected with the, with the sons of God, uh, the, the gods surrounding Christ in the divine council. Like this is the throne room of Christ. This is the temple of Christ. This is the, like all of these things, the chariot of Christ. Uh, this is, you know, all the, all the political, religious, military, like all of these metaphors, um, all come together in liturgy. And so like in the presence you're, I mean, you're going to liturgy literally to be in the presence of God in his throne room. And so like, is there a need for order? Yeah, there's a need for order that can't, it's not a, because God is not a God of disorder and chaos. God is the, God is the one who, who brings order out of chaos. Um, uh, that's, that's in, that's Genesis. That's the resurrection. That's, right going down that's christ going down into the into the realm of of death and decay and and bursting open the doors so that life can come up again um and arising into judgment and putting things into order as they should be not the way they are in this world right which is full of of disorder and injustice and and problem and harm and evil and and the ways we hurt one another and he sets that all right, and the, and sort of the primary way he sets that right is is exactly in this participation in his heavenly throne room, right? You're orderly in front of the king, and but it's not an oppressive order, right? It's an order that in which he himself insisted that that we are to welcome children, right? We are to welcome. So it's right. It's not. It's the military image is only one of the images. It's not like a military. Militaries have to be like militaries, and there's not going to well, be. Don't, a room. You don't have you don't have babies right. in, right. in the ranks of the military who That's are right. just going to be allowed to. You know, if they if they cry, they cry, and if they crawl up onto the Saleya, they can yep. crawl up onto the Saleya. And um, there's, yeah, it's a sort of absolute pure order type system, yeah. or at least it aims to be. And. Because it's That's a narrow, like a literal, a literal nation's military is a narrower function than what we're talking about. We're talking yes, in, the, yes. in the throne room, we're talking about something that encompasses the entire cosmos, right? Something that is the center, right? That little, that little altered nave narthex in, in narrow Manitoba, north of Winnipeg is, you know, become, every liturgy becomes the center of the cosmos, just like St. Marie's in Hamilton does at virtually the same time, maybe an hour earlier because mm -hmm. of the time change or the time difference, time zone difference. Um, right. Like each, each of these churches becomes that throne room becomes that heavenly tabernacle. Um, that, that is the, is the tabernacle for the entire cosmos. So yeah. So there's going to be order there. The, the other part of your question though, was like, you know, the people coming together, right. And we're sa we're saved together, right? What's that line? We're saved uh, saved together, but but damned alone. Mm, but yeah. this is, you know, it, it, that it is a council uh, full of brothers and sisters. Uh, that is a family. That is a nation, a holy nation of priests. Um, right, a people, 
a tribe. That's what it is, right? It's it's bigger than our nuclear family, right? It's bigger. It's it's a family. Um, it's just a bigger family with all sorts of relations that are the children that are children of God, right? So think of those. Think of that. that those those terms, right? Because it's both that we're the children of God and sons of God. Even women are sons of God here, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. This is kind of one of the point. Neither male nor female, right? Uh, the sons of God are are the gods, right? This is this is this image of of Christ and His divine counsel, and we are all through Christ uh, made to be gods along with the angels uh, in His in His presence. But there's but we're also children of God. It's also a a family. It's not just like a, a cold. It's it's not meant to be a. You know that 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 throne room, that um, ju- that place of judgment, is also a place of family where we are brothers and we're united as brothers and sisters. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's part of the salvation too. I mean, in the in the preparation for uh, in the preparation for the diaconate, like one of the ma- one of the big things that really hit home for me in that preparation and some of the conversations leading up was, was just how, um, how exactly correct it is to be called a uh, father in this. Exactly what's happening is um, that I'm, I, is this kind of move um, this kind of development of my own fatherhood that I've, that I've been, I've been given to be a father of my own little family. Uh, and now that, and now that family is expanding and same too with, with Amanda, same with my wife. She's a, she's not my deaconess. She is a deaconess along with me. I, I deacon and she a deaconess, uh, mother and father, father and mother. And that like uh, the taking the next step of parenthood, um, by you know opening ourselves in a greater way to the community like it it really is a family it's like a but it, in a tribal sense right in that more in that extended family sense that we find so much uh so much more meaning and participation and um uh, yeah like just how just how you know just how true that was it was funny because we, so we had a like a, a bit of a vocational discernment conversation with a couple of folks from the archdiocese, a couple of priests, and and then and then a couple of lay members, and Amanda and I did, and uh, and it was su- super helpful. And but like a lot of the conversation was like about the pitfalls of ministry, some of the risks, and some of like so, some of the places where it could go wrong. And uh, and I I kind of asked at the end. Um, you know, well, where's the blessing in this, right? We've <laughs> talked a lot about the negatives. What about, what about the positives? <clears throat> and it sort of stumped, it sort of stumped them. They didn't have much, they didn't have much to say. Well, that's ex- why I'm asking you. <laughs> except that, except that there was this sense of like, you, you don't, you can't really say, and it, it, it more or less came down to, like they're, they're just like being able to play that role just winds up being a blessing in ways that you can't anticipate. And what became very quickly clear is that it's exactly like 
becoming a parent in the in the in the fleshly uh, sense. Right. So if someone asks, you know, you talk about having kids with people and you can name a laundry list of ways that you can go wrong. And if mm-hmm. someone turns around that the same question that I did, what's what's the blessing in being parent? What's the blessing in being a parent, Dan? <laughs> what's the blessing in being? Yeah, that's yeah. What's the good? Point. What's the good part? Oh my goodness! Like, I, well, yeah. I think I think it's a re- that is a really interesting question. Well, I could just I, I, yeah yeah go ahead yeah I well I could answer that I could answer that in terms of like things that I like or whatever and uh-huh. things that I enjoy and things yep. that are fun. You know, I just got yep. got finished with. Uh, the, uh, the play the softball playoffs for my daughter's team and you know i just i just i enjoyed very much being out there on the ball field i you know i'm pretty much oh, in I a bet. flow state whenever i'm on the ball field i could i'm pretty sure when i get to the kingdom i'm just i'm just gonna be on the ball field for eternity <laughs> just forever i have not yet hit my limit um <laughs> and even though i'm not playing like i'm by for the playoffs i was helping coach a little bit by that point and um so that's enjoyable. That's fun. I can look to that and say, well, that's a blessing. But I, I feel like you're after, and certainly what I was after is definitely something more than that. Something that's not just about me liking it. I mean, there's a lot of things I like, right? But yeah, what's the blessing in being a parent? Well, then what was it? Uh, what was it like? Not just not just sort of being a part of a, some softball game, but being a part of your daughter's softball game and seeing her partake in it. And helping well, it's, in, it's interesting because yeah, there was a lot of that. That added a lot of challenge. If I had just been coaching uh-huh. some some other people's daughters, it actually would have been much easier because uh-huh. uh, I'm not nearly as concerned about you know. Pat, Patty takes it hard when she doesn't do well, you know, and she had, yeah. she pitched in one of the games, wasn't happy with her performance, and you know she's taking it rough, and I got to try to help her. And um, it's it's way easier if it's the <laughs> other people's uh-huh. girl who's. I mean, I, you know, I'll say encouraging things or whatever, but I don't feel like I, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's happening to me the way it does when it happens uh, to Patty. And I'm like sitting there biting my nails like, oh, come on. Um, <laughs> or getting real mad about a bad call that goes her against her where, you know, yeah, with anyone right. else, I would just be like, wow, it was a bad call. But, you know, hey, whatever. Yeah. Um, so and it's and I, this is probably why they were spending so much time warning you, because it's. It, it it's so it's very easy to see the extra challenges but yeah oh. is there an extra blessing there i mean you know it's interesting to to just notice at a very surface level but in an important way i wouldn't be there if my daughter wasn't right. uh-huh. that would just be weird yeah. Uh, <laughs> right yeah 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 um you know unless i was a true professional or something and hired uh-huh. as a coach but uh-huh. but at this level this is just house league softball i, uh-huh. I wouldn't i wouldn't be present so there's that it, it, it makes me be present at all um but yeah i mean it, well whether softball or beyond what what is the blessing of parenthood Just being able to see her do, I mean, and see the these kids and have her among these kids, mm-hmm. like how like how do you how do you describe what blessing it is to to see her hit hit the ball well? Yeah, like yeah. I don't know, it's just something really I don't know, it's something really cool about it. Like, and for me, like what what is the what's the good thing about being a parent? It's like, I just I don't know, like I like being around my kids. My kids are awesome, right? Do we are there are there struggles and troubles and and conflict and like obviously all of that pertains but there's just something 
I th- I think it's like, it just occurs. There's something remarkable, but I, I definitely think it's more than the fact that it's often really fun and delightful, uh-huh. which is great. I mean, I think that's a kind that's a certain kind of blessing that it, it feels to me is, is sort of these. It's like it's like a treat, you know, and I think God uh-huh. gives us treats, you know, when we feast and there there are times to just have a treat. Enjoy it. Enjoy yeah. existence. But there's also something deeper going on. Like being a parent is something that humans are, are kind of meant to do. Not yeah. absolutely all humans. You know, certainly in our tradition, many choose to be monastics and then they, by choice, never will have children. There are other people who will be unable to have children or will live single. And I mean, I think it's crystal clear in our tradition that, that this is, you know, you're not whatever you condemned and now you have no, it's not the only purpose of it, I think, but it's a thing that people are supposed to do. If you look at people kind of in the aggregate, people are supposed to have children, any individual, that's an individual question, but as a, as a global thing, humans are meant to have children we just we're meant to it's part of our telos and so to participate in that to get to participate in that is um it's well it's just wonderful it's wonderful to be invited into into this kind of concrete part of the telos of the of the species really um and then you know and those of us who are not we have children in other ways the ways you're describing right uh, which which is also really interesting you know monks and nuns and and people without kids will will play a role as spiritual fathers and spiritual yeah. mothers or godparents uh, and, and are also invited in their own way. Maybe they aren't part of the biological procreation right. of this species, but as part of the family, they are part of the spiritual procreation of the species, ideally, or they, or they certainly should be. And, that, and that's a beautiful, wonderful role to play as well. Uh, but people have and raise kids like we, we, ju- we do. We yeah. do. Uh, and but the, and that which hammers into kind of kind of what I'm having, what I'm trying to chew on here is like, you know, what what is this all pointing to? We say this is a blessing. We we reflect it as good. We're talking about something more than fun. It's it's tapping right. into our purpose. It's tapping into the telos of being human. And something about your liturgical role, something about the liturgy itself, taps into what the hell humans are for exactly. or are we supposed to be doing. I yeah, that's, I think that's exactly right. And in fact, I think I might even go farther and say that, like, it's every, it's every man's vocation to be a father, and every woman's yeah, vocation yeah. to be a mother, yeah. uh, whether or not you have biological children, you have, you have children according to the flesh. It, if you have no children according to the flesh, it's still your calling to be a spiritual parent. And some people may have a very limited capacity to do that. Maybe there's, you know, maybe there's one person you connect with, right? Meaningfully, maybe you're, you're put in charge of a huge tribe of people that all, everybody looks to you as a father. Doesn't matter, like, right? It's like within you, within whatever domain of, of responsibility the Lord gives you, that's, that's your calling. Uh, and, and part of your calling to figure that out. And exactly. Yeah. You know, and that, and when you're doing that, it's frequently more work and it's frequently um, like it has been, it's been so intense. This diaconate, like it's there's some moments, like it's a, it's been a lot of work and you, and they get exhausted after liturgies, right? Like I am, I am totally spent 
just the level of concentration and engagement. I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's, it's very tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not like, it's not, it's not good and awesome, like chilling out on a beach or something. That's not what we're talking about. It's, it's, it's exactly doing something meaningful. That's what you're doing. It's like, it's incredibly meaningful participating in your telos, like you say, in, in your end, the thing you were, you were built for, right? So when I do when I do the things that I'm doing, I just feel like I'm doing something I'm built for. That's what's happening. And that's why it's felt the way it has. And that's, you know, and that's me. I have, I'm a particular person with, with, uh, like, I just want to be very careful to say, like, this, this fatherly vocation is not, it's, just because everyone's every man is called to fatherhood in some measure doesn't mean everyone is supposed to be a deacon or a priest or a bishop. Of course right? Not, there's yeah. right right there's all sorts of ways of or, providing or a, or a biological father. Or a biological yeah, father. Uh, not every man will be that. There's all sorts of ways of providing for your family. Um I met yeah, I met I met a really fine young guy at uh, at assembly. Uh, had a chat after everything was done, we were able to have a beer together, and and he, and the mode he's in now, uh, he's you know he's single. Not that he wouldn't you know uh, necessarily want to get married. Couldn't say one way or another uh, for him on his behalf. But like he's in a mode right now where he's entrepreneurial. He's st- like starting a couple businesses. He just wants to. He sees that the you know the 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 budget for the entire archdiocese is is such and so amount, and he's like, that's nothing. It's you just can't believe how how little money everyone gets by. It's like I want to. I, I just want to start some businesses and make some money for the church. Yeah. Right. Like that's fatherhood. This guy's like yeah. mid twenties. Mm-hmm. And things will change for, you know, his life will go where, wherever it goes. But like in this, in this moment, in this time for this time, like he's, that's, that's as a 24 year old, who's got energy and ideas for for, you know, putting together businesses that do good, honest work and make money for that. He wants to give to the church. That's fatherhood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's an it's, aspect of fatherhood. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's where I'm at at this point. Right. Not that I have, oodles of cash or businesses or something, which, you know, it's a great idea. Uh, but yeah, I was having a conversation with, with my wife, Eleni. Well, I've had this conversation a few times in the last right. couple of years and during a very rough period at my current uh, a, uh, place of work, uh, think, thinking about leaving and what am I going to do? And one of the things I said to her is that, you know, we're, we have this new community saying where is, and they kind of, then needs my income. She's like, well, there's other ways to contribute. And I and I said to her, yeah, that's absolutely right. But we got lots of people doing that. <laughs> the uh-huh. thing we need is money, and I'm one of the few people right now who's contributing, uh, you know, some money. Uh, well, everyone contributes right. what they can, and so I'm not casting aspersions in, in the slightest at, at anybody. Right. Uh, but it's just like I'm looking at this community. I'm looking at me and thinking, right? I mean, yeah, I could say, oh, I'm a reader, or I'm a deacon, or I help with the choir, or whatever, whatever. Um, you know, or clean up. Those are all really good things. That's what we've got in spades. Yeah. The thing we need yeah. is someone who can cut yeah. a check. And so as a kind of father within the community, that has to be a really important part of my calculus about what I choose to do. Like I need to make sure that the family is being attended to and find the things, you know, that I can offer or the gaps or whatever to, to help to contribute to 
my family uh, in, in my own particular way. And sometimes that is, you know, honestly, somebody having some money to uh, to it all. Uh, but you're, you're absolutely right. It's a it's a form of it's really interesting to reflect on. I mean, it seems like the conversation is gravitating towards an issue that we haven't talked that much about. And, and I guess we're talking about now, which is parenthood, how that's uh-huh. how being a parent, whether biological or spiritual, is is part of the human telos and what we do uh, as human creatures. Uh-huh. Um, as fathers, as mothers, uh, but I, I think that's a, that's a key part of it is is responding to needs, right? That's that's yes. important what parents do. It, it also occurs to me that we are simultaneously also always children, and when we start, we're just yeah. children. We really yep. are truly just yep. children. Yep. And you know, if you're six, <laughs> you're just a child of the community. That's really, right. Pretty yep. much straightforwardly. But as you age and even to the time, the point you get to, you know, my daughter's age, of, which is 12, she's going to turn 13 before too long here. Um, mm-hmm. But you now she started contributing a little bit to helping with Sunday school. Right. Uh-huh, which yeah. makes her yeah, yeah. a little bit of a mother. Right. Yep. In a small way. She's still a kid. Totally, yeah. Uh, but this is a first step towards or she will bake things to bring to fellowship. Like, you yeah. know, she, she she'll wake up early and she'll make cookies or biscuits or something uh, by herself on her own uh, to bring, you know, to offer, to feed us, yep. right? Which is something a, a mother yep. does. Uh, and so the childhood, I think, never fully ends for us. We're always spiritual children yep. uh, in, in a way. We're always a child role in the community, but we start to take on increasingly a parent role. And then interestingly, I think as we start to get really very old, we almost kind of revert in many ways to to being more almost exclusively a child and really depending yeah. on I mean, this yeah. is the kind of natural arc, which is, which is interesting yes. to, to reflect. Yeah. But like, isn't it interesting how, how like our temporal arc aside, kind of the eternal image of our role in the kingdom is kind of exclusively imagined as children. Mm-hmm. Not really. We're not really talked about as being fathers and mothers in the kingdom, but children. Right, right. The father is the is God, right? Well, yeah, because as you were talking earlier too, this is this is tightly related. Um, the passage that you know, Christ's command to call no man father, which is something that people mm-hmm. often bring up to Orthodox Christians mm-hmm. and Roman Catholics when we when we call people father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Father Yuri, Father Deacon Greg. Now mm-hmm. I can call you Father, and um, this is often a critique that's leveled at us. And um, I've never felt like I've had a, a, a super good response. But one, one of the only things right. I've ever found to say is, "Well, but surely you call your dad your father, right?" Yeah, right. So, <laughs> and people are always like, "Well, like, oh, well, of course, right?" And, and yeah. then, and, and I'm just like, "Well, so." As soon as you do that, you, you you're not taking this command in an absolutely literal sense. You you have room to re- recognize that your father, your dad, uh-huh. whoever that is, is is your father. That's what you call him, and you call him dad, which is just a different word for father. Uh-huh. And so when, when he says "call no man father," it doesn't mean I have to call my dad by his first name. That's that's not what's meant. And and I think what you're saying reflects that as well. And and what strikes me as sort of interesting there is that the command ha- has meaning. It has to have meaning. Yep. yep. The Lord doesn't just say stuff, right? He's trying to get us to understand something. And so there's there's a there's a tension or a paradox there to say I don't like there's a way in which I don't call you father, right? That's right. 
you're, but I like I do literally call you Father Deacon or I can, right. uh, but there's this other way in which there is only one Father, that's and right. that is God, the Father, and that's that's what the Lord is is trying to show us. But it seems like what you're talking about here is is a nice sort of encapsulation of how that works, both in families and in in, in church communities and in liturgies, is that if we are really sort of straightforwardly children in the kingdom. Nonetheless, here we we have placehold. We we take on the roles of fathers and mothers, mm-hmm. also as well. At least for the time being, I don't know. Maybe eternally, we could maybe try to think about that. But but um, certainly here and now, I I have to be an earthly father for my children. Mm-hmm. It would and, be neglectful, a neglect of responsibility if if you pretended like that commandment meant that that you're not supposed to be a father to your kids. That's that's absolutely right. Like it, you, also, it would be going radically awry if, yeah, if well, you sort of think that there should be no fathers. Yeah, uh, and, and I don't think anyone would ever argue that. But it also occurs, I mean, there's been many times in my life when I've I've kind of reflected for myself that these these are not my children either. Also, right. like they, I am I am their biological father, right? But. Also, I'm I'm just a kind of adopted, a kind of a caretaker. I'm kind mm-hmm. of a godfather in a certain way of children who belong to only their right. creator. They do not belong to me. Um, I don't I don't own them, you know. Um, and and I'm kind here of playing the role of father yeah. as long as we are here until until there is only one father for all of us. And that kind of becomes clearer and clearer as they grow older. And like, you can sort of, yeah, you can sort of yeah. project how your parents must've felt for you to, for you and I to get older and leave the nest and take on our, like they're not, they're not fathers and mothers of us in the same way. Uh, and, and, right. In, in like, it's very clear that it's not in an absolute sense that relation changes and that, you know, the na- dynamics all change. And the, and the script eventually flips, you know, my, my father's That's had a right. lot of health issues and, and now That's I'm, right running his house that's right like you know quite you know quite completely yeah. at this point uh and making the arrangements and paying the bills and making sure things are tickety-boo and and stuff gets signed and taxes get paid um and you know i'm my father's father now <laughs> and, yeah. and that's and that's how it is meant to go like that's how it you know if people live long enough anyway that's that's how it will go And it, it's a it's a challenging transition, as anyone who's gone through it right. knows full well. It's very very weird and eerie and off putting and and difficult and stressful. Yeah, and family, families get really families get really stressed as those transitions happen um, because it's not you know you don't kind of plan for it. I feel like uh, and and people start fighting about how it ought to be done and, and who's yeah. Uh, you know, as, as you sort of hand over the keys, but it, it is, yeah, it's an interesting ref- reflection of what we're doing here as earthly fathers and earthly mothers. Yeah. Like um, you're like your dad in order to be able to handle that transition needs to have cultivated a certain amount of humility. Yes. Like I remember this being said of my own grandfather as he aged, he's now, now passed away some years ago. Um, uh, but like, you know, his kids, my, my, my dad and his, uh, and his siblings, they like, it was notable to them 
how willingly he gave up his keys to his car, right? Loved driving. Yeah. Um, that, and that's one of those, that's one of those sort of key, uh, 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 signs of, of how well people age, right. In our day and age, it's like, how, how willing are you to give up driving when you're, you're, when you're no longer safe on the road for a lot of people, they don't give it up. And it's, yep. and it's, there's a lot of conflict, right? It's like, how much have you cultivated the level of humility you need to, in order to grow, grow old. Like you have to admit to yourself that as much of a father or a mother you are, you are not absolutely a father or a mother. You are not absolutely always, you know, uh, <clears throat> in charge of things. Eventually you will grow old and they will take you by the hand and lead you where you do not want to go. Yeah. Well, another, another quote from scripture there. And it's, uh, that's, that's really fascinating to think about because it, it, God as eternal father is precisely the eternal father, uh-huh. the, the one who doesn't start off as a child and then eventually kind of return to where, where we lead him, where we want him to go, um, which, which, which just really, I think, beautifully highlights how different our temporal fatherhood or motherhood right. or parenthood is from, from the eternal, the true, uh, unending, pre-eternal uh, fatherhood of of God. You know, I, I didn't start off a father. I started off a baby. And if I live long enough, I will die almost kind of a baby again. And, uh, and so this is a role I play for now within the scope of this temporal existence. Uh, but I do have to play it. I do have to play it too. Uh, I can't no. shirk it. And no, I, uh, my sense is a lot of people in our culture these days really want to shirk that. And, yes. and, and, and it may come through in, in some ways of people simply not having kids at all anymore because they'd like to, you know, just carry right. on being a child themselves and not having the responsibility and, and the, the difficult stuff, the stuff that you were talked to about when you became a deacon for, for similar kinds yep. of reasons. Um, and like, I, you know, I get the appeal, right? You can what yep. if just run around and jet set and hop on a plane and go to Paris just because you feel like it. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, you'll, you'll hit the same kind of level of peak income as the rest of us, but you don't have to spend it on, on, on children and all these things. And, um, but it's preserving a kind of eternal, eternal childhood, uh, which, which is too bad. I mean, this is, and, and, and people who are unable to have children, um, you know, I, I feel like as a Christian, you still need to, take on this role. And that's what we were saying yeah. before. It's yes. like, there's still a role of fatherhood, motherhood. When you're in that stage of life, you find the spaces to do that. Oh, there's uh, all sorts of things for you to do. Yeah. Right? There's still, there's so much work to be done. Like you have, right. Like you have no idea. I mean, you have an idea, <laughs> uh, right. There's, there's so much to be done. There's so much for, and for those of us who have, who have kids, you know, having only a few kids, like it's so much work. And having and having people of mature being surrounded by people of maturity, um, who even if they're childless, have the maturity to like be able to help out is such a godsend, mm-hmm. right? Like having there's all sorts of room if we could if we could get our get our minds wrapped around it. But um, uh, but for communities to be filled with people, both who have children according to the flesh and those who who don't, and but are willing to be. Uh, to willing to participate in fatherhood or motherhood anyway. There's so much work to do that. It's very, very welcome. It's very welcome yeah. for people who are single or, or married and childless to, to par- participate in the, in the, in the light, in, in the life of the family. Yeah. I, I might posit that 
it's necessary. Yeah. For, for, certainly for the community, but also for for humans, for people, yeah. uh, for the for all of us ourselves. I I just my instinct is that you you really simply don't kind of complete something that is meant to be completed, uh, you know, unless you're, you know, d- disabled, developmentally disabled or something in a way that leaves you a child forever. And then, you know, and then there, you know, that's the hand yeah. that you get. But yep. for those of us who do develop into mature adult people, it just isn't meant, this is my instinct, it isn't meant to just be spent on us and on on having being children who can afford to fly to Paris and drive fancy cars. Right. I don't think is what this is meant to be for. I don't think. I don't think so. And the flip side of that is that the nuclear family is not enough. Yeah. It's yeah, not enough. Absolutely. Yeah. You need not more. Some people and, won't have one, but, but yeah. even if you do. Yeah. Like it's not my, it's my, just my, my three kids having Amanda and me as their parents is not enough. They need more. Uh, we play the sort of the main role for a certain stretch of time, but they need more. They need more than us as adults in their lives to raise them. Yeah. Well, let's let's take our uh, little break and um, we can come back to, to some of these questions. This is very interesting. Sounds good. Welcome to the Men Among Demons podcast. And there goes the devil creeping in my life's desire. Welcome back to this second half then. Um, so interesting. This was not what we planned to talk about, but hey, this is this is a good topic. It's Family, fatherhood, motherhood, parenthood, and it's many, many modalities. Really, really interesting to, to reflect on. So, okay, so this is the Men Among Demons podcast. Yes, sir. So what do you see as demonic patterns of family, uh, either literal, you know, either, you know, biological families or, or general I mean, we touched on some of them, I think, just just at the end there of the of the first half with the yeah. eternal childhood and that kind of thing. But yeah. but we're you know what what are the demonic patterns? If we've established a little bit, what's at least in an inchoate way some of the intended patterns to the diaconate, to the liturgy, the things that they're supposed to kind of show us. What what are the demonic patterns? I mean, it's going to be anything that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't fulfill those. But what are some of the common ways? At least in a general sense, you know, you can think of, um, you know, bad fatherhood and authoritarianism, tyranny. Uh, you can think of bad motherhood. <laughs> what? Suffocating, suffocating, uh, suffocating ways or or these. Uh, yeah, you know, they, this kind of perpetual immaturity, um, which is, you know, a topic that we could we could dwell on, as, as we've noted before, um, or yeah even like i think one of like one of the problems that we're dealing with now is it, you know i don't know if it's exactly a result of it but um the kind of sentimental idea of the nuclear family was was a yeah. pro- was a problem yeah well that's one of the reasons i keep pushing a little bit to say we're not just talking about biological families here no, I that's right like a broken record, but i think that's really key but yeah go ahead no, the, go well on. they'll leave it to beaver or like i don't i didn't yeah, watch yeah. those shows or whatever i have sort of a vague of right that's well before our time but a vague sense of of some of, of what i think of as you know kind of 
forties or fifties sentimentality about the family. Um, but I do think like, I do think that we are, we're suffering from a bit of a pendulum swing. Um, well, and I can, I can see even, even more up to date than that. Like I do come from a culture that did not know what to do. A Christian culture that did not know what to do with people who weren't married. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of hard to remember that, but it, it, that's a real thing, right? And people who are single not feeling like they had a place. And part of it is like, it's not a coincidence that those, the forms of worship that they, that they um, uh, perform and body are not liturgical. Like you need that sense of, of participation in something greater. If, if, um, if it's, if you're going to, if you're going to be okay with, with this, this life on earth, you know, not working out in certain ways um, that, that you think you want or had hoped for or whatever. Anyways, yeah. that's, that's sort of speaking abstractly, but it's, uh, you know, there has, there are cultures in which it's just an assumption that you'll get married and you'll have children. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the political foment that we're living through right now, put, you know, straining against traditional views of marriage and tr- straining against traditional views of sexuality have can, you know, uh, have, there's plenty of blame to be laid at the feet of those cultures who think that it's all just as straightforward as meeting someone, getting married and having kids. No, I, I totally agree. I, I remember this dawning on me as an undergraduate. And I was uh, I, I majored in was called religion was my major, so something proximate to religion, religious yeah, yeah. studies, and and um, writing something. I was becoming Orthodox at the time, and so coming from a place where, for me, as a kind of atheist agnostic, previous to that, it was you know straightforward and evident that you know same sex marriages or same sex families were exa- exactly the same as opposite sex relationships uh you know not to head necessarily down that road for for this episode but um but i i was asked to kind of write a paper on you know queer theory queer new testament scholarship this kind of thing uh-huh. and i remember you know reading some of those those theorists and those thinkers and, and engaging with that stuff and some of their ways of reading new testament but reading some uh, i guess what you might call conservative not really conservative from an orthodox point of view which is kind of what you're saying but, right. but conservative within the protestant framework that i was yeah. mostly operating in saying things that you know about how well you know human beings are meant to it's meant to be men and women and they're meant to you know pair off and start these biological families and that's what we're meant to do and it just isn't right to and i remember just being like that's so so profoundly dissatisfying to the point of being frankly kind of outrageous and this light bulb went off in my head that you know there there's so much more there's so much more going on in the orthodox tradition um uh, with respect to all these issues we're talking about, that makes this a, a very, very different conversation I, I, to the point that I almost felt like, well, you know, if I was within one of those other traditions that's saying this, I like, I don't know how you could possibly in good conscience, you know, re- restrict people from marrying whoever they want to marry. I mean, if you're going to say the only way of being a person is you get married and then you either have or adopt kids, that's the only path we're going to give you. Then, then it is actually pretty freaking outrageous to, yeah. to start yeah. telling people that, you know, but, but, it, well, but it has to be, you know, someone who you may not be attracted to or whatever. Like that's, if you, that's BS. yeah, if you are part of, if you are partaking and promoting a culture that says that, then you get what's coming to you. Yeah. 
you, yeah. you uh, right and you'll get what you'll get what you have coming to you it's gonna it's gonna snap back on you and you're not gonna like it and it's not gonna be pretty if you don't have yeah, a be- robust enough sense of of how people can participate in this life in what god has for us that's bigger than like get married and have some babies like it's got to be bigger uh well yeah it's and, and well, you mentioned leave it to beaver and it feels like it's swapping out Leave It to Beaver for the liturgy. You know, you are yeah. now a father deacon. You are a kind of father within the liturgy and not just the service, but also everything that that, that means. The entirety of the community, the parish community, you know, in, in a lot of parts of the world that are predominantly Orthodox, it's kind of the whole village, right? It's the whole yeah. town and everybody, um, you know, I think it, it, there's, there's some lovely Greek traditions on this. Uh, everybody who is, you know, a certain age, if you're in the village is Yaya, which is grandma. Uh-huh. And everybody is, is a certain age is male is, is your papu is your grandpa. Um, uh-huh. And they just, they all, they all get the title because they all are going to play the role. You may have no kids, right? You may have no biological relationship to them. Uh, they're not your grandfather in a biological sense, but that's your grandfather. Yeah. Right? And and they have an authority over you. And, uh, you know, and that can go sideways and be awful in all yep. kinds of ways. But, yep. but there's a real, there's something really beautiful and insightful there that, and it, well, it's what it's Hillary Clinton. It takes a village to raise a child um, who's not you know, my favorite thinker in the world, but uh it's that insight is pretty good, and and I, I I've always thought there's something there for sure. Is that uh, and did you attribute that line to Hillary Clinton? Isn't that originally Hillary? I mean, I, I, have I no remember idea. Her, I, at least I remember her at least quoting it and making a big deal out of it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm confabulating. Like maybe I've turned into ChatGPT and I'm making things up. I don't know. But that sounds like something a human would say. This is an association <laughs> in my mind between that line and Hillary. Uh, you know, everybody's right about certain things, uh, and. Uh, yeah, but I, I think there's something really there, and, and and parish life in the Orthodox Church reflects this. Um, yeah, in these really in these really profound, important ways. I, mean, I call monks father who don't have kids at all. Yeah. They don't, you know, ideally don't have, they already have a sex life. They're not supposed to anyway, and uh, right. are never going to have children. But you meet them and you say father, or or, or you call um, an abbess, you call her mother, right? Yeah. And she's not my biological mother. You have godparents, right? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love that Greek has the terms nuno and nuna. That's a special honorific title for these people it's like mom and dad but applied to your to your godparents so there's you wouldn't call them by their first name either because you're in a parental relationship i don't call my parents their first name you shouldn't be calling your godparents their first name and and so we use in our home this that Greek term nuno and nuna. Okay. Um, it's also beautiful because little babies. It's one of the first things they learn to say, and so you get to be one of their first words, which is just nice. adorable. I have a beautiful little godchild, goddaughter at our parish who's who's just today started saying nuno. Nice. Just, oh, it just gets you. Anyway, that's a little aside. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, but there's there's something there's a really important insight there. And so when you swap out all of that, these networks of relationship, these networks of responsibilities to each other, these networks of love for each other, for like, leave it to Beaver. We live in a suburb. We live in a house that's a unit. And within that house, there's one father and one mother. Uh, yeah. and, and then that's what a family is. That's, that's the key mistake. I live yeah. in a house with three kids and a father and a mother. And that's a good thing. But that's not well, that's not the totality of a family. Just imagine if something went wrong. Like, just imagine yeah. if something goes wrong. Then where are you left? Right? It's not, there's not enough connections to be robust. If what, like, if a parent dies, right? 
if a parent dies, then then what? Like yeah. the, then the ideal image of the family breaks down. And then what? Do are we completely bereft of ways of participating in life? Then like if this is the ideal, if this is the icon, and that's all we've got is this like mom and dad and two and a half kids, then then if you if you like if your part if your spouse dies or if you're if you're bare, like infertile or, or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, impotent or whatever, like one way or another, or, um, you know, or, or one of the kids gets sick or like, right. Like mm-hmm. if anything goes wrong, like then where are you left? Yeah. I mean, one of the yeah, really nice things that. about one, one of the really nice things, I, uh, one of the things I really like about what you're saying about Greek culture and it, you know, once you get to a certain age, it doesn't matter whether you have kids or not, you're still yaya or papu. Yep. Like it's, it's that, like there's a way there's this recognition of the capacity to participate in fatherhood or motherhood, whether or not, whether or not things quote unquote worked out for you or worked out for you in that way. Like it's been, it's been important to me uh, to re like in realizing in that culture that I was a part of evangelical culture, um, like just what a magnificence singleness was like the monastic, like, like, the fact that the fact that these church groups, this this church culture doesn't have monasticism means you have no single ideal. You have no yeah. single ideal. You have no way of pointing at someone who's single and being like, you still have all the potential in the world and maybe even more potential than married people to participate. One of the things I like about and I've been thinking about lately is like monasticism is really its own vocation. What we We need even more than that. You, mm-hmm. it, it needs to be possible to be single, unmarried, and without children after the flesh, without being a monk, and still have the the the, the full possibility of participation in Christ. Well, this this is this is Saint Paul. Yes, right. Saint Paul encourages people to stay virgins like him, to not get married and to not have kids, so they can focus on God. And, and what does he do with that? He becomes father, and he uses that term right. of way more people than I am, right? right? It's precisely given to an expansion of his role as father. Yeah. And his advice to not even have biological kids. And he said, you know, and if you do, good, that's great. And yeah, you can get married. It's okay. But I, it would be nice. It was this, I think, Corinthians, First Corinthians, yeah. I think. Um, you know, but, but if you can't, it's even better to not even have the biological kids. Yeah. Because then you can do what I'm doing and be ministering. And he's a father to, well, yeah. to all of every not, living it's Christian. It's exactly not at the expense father. of fatherhood. It's to the, it's, it's to the, the, to the, to the expansion of his fatherhood. fatherhood. Is why he advises that, which is that's Fast mind thing. blowing yeah. when you reflect on yeah. it. what 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 fatherhood there then means or what or motherhood because women can can do the exact same thing right exactly um, and and do very often do and uh, yeah it's I mean that's something so yeah th- like this is this is something I've chewed on and I wish you know I wish there's some way we could kind of get out there to some some people in, in Christian circles and including in Orthodox circles who. Yes. I feel like I see sometimes make this mistake, this kind of reifying of the nuclear family, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing. But as with all demonic twists, yep. right, it takes a good thing and like it twists it yep. and just yep. like crunches it so that it becomes all whatever, all there is. And this kind of perfect ideal and it doesn't 
work yeah. and you've got disasters everywhere. It's and making an idol yeah. of the family, right? It's an yeah. idol idolization. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting just to step back and reflect that, like in our, in, in this conversation about sort of the ideals of family and then the, and then the demonic pitfalls that the first place we wound up going, the first place for demonic pitfall of the family is the family, the family the idealization <laughs> of the family. There are all yeah. sorts of ways, of course, that families can go wrong, but like, there's something interesting about it in this, in this time that like be, and I think exactly be, because of what you're saying there, there is going to be part of this, you know, part of in our Orthodox culture, a bit of a temptation to, to repeat exactly that mistake. Yeah. Right. And it's important to be, it's important to be really clear, right? It's important to be really clear in our thinking that like, idealization of the family is not the solution it it helped get us into this mess right it helped get us into this mess mm -hmm. and it, and it's exactly in sort of the the modern breaking of the bonds between families and between people within their family right like the in the atomization of of people including families from one another uh and, and notions of self-sufficient have contributed to this mess uh, so so it's no sense in uh in in trying to look for the solution there have to be very careful because it's going to be tempting Yeah, I mean, because well, it creates back backlash, as you're sort of just alluding right. to there. Like to say, oh, if, if that's the only picture we have of what family is or what it means or how to play a, an adult role in a family is only to have biological children or maybe adopted children, but to raise kids, you know, as a kind of direct parent in the nuclear family, which is part of being in a family. But if that's the only image you have, uh, then people who are dissatisfied with that, people who can't attain that, or uh, especially people who've been hurt by that, whose parents right. have not played that role well, who've been you know, yep. traumatized and abused in all kinds of ways, you know, that the, the, then, then the temptation is to just reject it all altogether. Yep. And now you just run off and, you know, you, you live, live eternal childhood, you know, sex becomes just a, a thing you do for your own pleasure, totally, totally disconnected from any, you know, biological procreative aspect. Uh, and, 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 and that's, the, you know, that's your backlash. You're calling bullshit on something that is bullshit. Yeah. And, and the calling of bullshit on it is that's not actually the big problem. The big problem comes in when you when the only alternative you see is to throw it away and burn it down rather than to recover it and recognize that it's expansive. It's a reflection of a divine pattern that is in it is indeed reflected in biological families, very importantly. So I don't want to denigrate right. biological families no, no, no. either. Like being a biological father, a biological mother is a really key reflection of this family structure that we've been talking about. And it's a really important role. And it's by far the most important father type role that I particularly will play as a man who does have children. You know, that that's my, you know, that, 
that's the number one place where I reflect fatherhood. Yep. Um, so, so not to take anything away from that, but, but if, if you just see, you know, just that and, you know, kind of nihilism rather than seeing, well, you know, if I don't have kids, can't have kids, choose not to have kids, um, that there are all these ways in which I participate in that same pattern, the pattern of family of fathers, mothers, children, um, that are, that are open to me. And I need to play a role in that pattern to be a complete person, even yeah. if it doesn't include biological children. Yeah. That, and that's what I feel like we need to try to call this. So if we can somehow to try to remind yeah. this society, the solution isn't to throw this away. You, you, the call you called BS on something that's BS, but the response is is equally and this is the classic demonic trick right like yeah. to get you to just kind of see the problem and reflexively yeah you know throw it all away and burn it all down yeah and and you don't realize well the thing needed renovations or expansions or uh, you know change in thinking it didn't need to be burned down right well yeah like it's interesting to reflect like again in the in the christian culture in which i grew up um th it, there there was very little in the calendar there was Christmas and Easter and Easter maybe kind of included Good Friday. Um, and there was Mother's Day. <laughs> right. It's like the one, yeah. one, the one, uh, like one of the only identifiably sort of set aside days for commemoration was this Hallmark holiday. Uh, but, but, you know, the change between when I was quite young and it's like a, a um, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? A pie, a pie in to, to mothers, or, but like a just you know where the service is all about praising mothers to the to the time when I was a late teenager, early early into my twenties, when it's like starting to get really complicated because because people are more and more aware of how many families have broken down and how how problematic some mothers are to their kids, and it's like Mother's Day isn't all uh, isn't all just sunshine and roses for everyone because their yeah. own biological mother may not may not have been uh, a very good mom. Uh, it and then to, you know like it actually becomes increasingly complicated. So you you wind up kind of losing one of the only days on the church calendar because you have you because motherhood is more complicated than that and much more than the, the hallmark. Well, it's actually, uh, you know, in the Orthodox church, mother's day is kind of palatable to be honest. It like, mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense. Like it's, it's usually marked. It's typically yeah. every church I've ever been to. It's like you give a, you give a flower to all the mothers, yeah. including, but this is key, not just biological That's mothers, right. including all of them. Frankly, it usually ends up being all right. the adult women That's right. and it should. That's right. Because be everyone's exactly a godmother that. to someone or a spa, a yep. baptismal sponsor or baptismal sponsor. And like even whatever. if they're not that, they play a role in the church. That's they're right. on the parish council. That's my mother. They're, maybe they're a nun or something. Yep. And like there's motherhood. Basically, every adult female right. is going to have some kind of motherly role and they get a flower, too. Which I always want to be. I I look forward to Mother's Day yeah. as because uh, it, it's always a Sunday too. So it always uh -huh. ends up being like a little bit of a. It's kind of insinuated itself into yeah, our liturgical totally. calendar, yeah. and and I think I'm cool. And with there's it, something there's been something suitable about that. Like yeah, there's yeah. you know there may still be a kind of like a, a apologetic approach to it, but it's like you know just wind up turning it back around and it's like and yet we have mothers. Mothers are important. Yeah. Spiritual mothers. Yeah. Our mothers going to the flesh. Mothers of the church, 
like all of that exactly what we're saying and it's like yeah and then you kind of turn it into a a, a commemoration of of uh, like it, it, the whole thing kind of ties up together in mary and it's mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah actually that it makes sense and you can do the same with fathers as well with father's day like it's 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 very interesting how in an orthodox uh, liturgical framework mother's day makes so much more sense and mm-hmm. that's there's a kind of beauty to it um which i think is yeah which is i think a, a really a really neat image of of uh of what uh what pro- liturgy properly speaking can do for a culture yeah right? like show well, because we we we, we have our mothers right and mother's day i remember mother's day in school being a little bit challenging for me i was one of those kids uh-huh. who but never never so at all seeing it happen in orthodox church for this exact reason because we have our mothers we do uh-huh. no matter what and you know if you grew up without a biological mother at all or if you grew up which is perhaps even worse to have you know a really abusive one or something like that and many people do do um you know it's not motherhood that's that's the problem right. right like it's 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 kind of a failure of it and and if you've managed to connect with other you know adult women uh whether it's your godmother or you know a grandmother or an aunt or a friend or whoever it is you know that hopefully god willing somewhere along the way in your childhood you you had some kind of positive maternal relationship doesn't need to have been your biological mother it's great if it is and 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 biological parents we need to strive to be that person but that's right but but that but that right there is kind of is kind of what it comes down to right it's like we are biological parents we have to strive to be that person um and yeah but we're, we're trying to live up to a role within a pattern uh, that isn't actually just, um, it's not just a given for the fact that I've had biological children that I will be really their father, right? Like I could just, I could have left when they were babies right. and said nah, I had nothing to do with them. And it, when then maybe they have a stepfather who steps in, right? And and plays that role and really right. becomes that father right. figure. I mean, they have a grandfather or whoever yeah. it is, right? Who, who plays the role. Um, and to, to acknowledge that this is a pattern and, and what that means is that I, as a biological father, it's more like a responsibility. It's like, I have a responsibility to try to make sure I also be the pattern of a father to my kids. It's not a given just because That's I right. sired them, That's you know, right. Right? uh, and, and the same for mothers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that might be, maybe that's the way to think about, uh, demonic distortions, right as as any time as any time that's seen as a given these some of these roles or these institutions are seen as givens and not something to be lived up to anytime anytime a mother anytime you take the family like well as long as you're a family as long as you're a nuclear family then you owe each other all sorts of allegiance or like whatever it is that this is your main main unit. like no like that like your family unit is something to be lived into and you have to figure out how to relate your relations within the family to, to other people outside of it properly. And one of the proper things to do is, is realize that it's not the be all and end all, right? Like you've got to figure that out. Uh, and you have to figure out in your time and place, how, 
how to properly connect it, right? Who to be connected to, right? You need to be connected to a church. You need to be, because you need to be, because a family in order to be a family properly needs to be worshiping God. Like that's its proper, that's its proper telos. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like, as, as you, as you know, my biological paternity is, it's a whole thing. And, you know, if it were simply the case that, uh, I, I wasn't raised by my, biological father right and 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 yet finding patterns of fatherhood from my my father yep. who raised me uh as well as my spiritual father this is a really really important role uh as well and, and and some others you know i i would just not i would not be here i'd be dead yeah. right if it weren't possible to find that pattern and to on the other side of it to radiate that out to give that pattern to someone who is not your biological child if that if god hadn't given us the gift the capacity to do that then uh, well, the species wouldn't exist we would, we would have had there's so many people who have yeah. you know whatever complicated relationships biologically with a father or a mother um i, I it, it matters too i, I think it does I think biology is is significant, yep. um, and I, I very much prickle, especially given my own life experiences, at people who want to fully dismiss it as you know sort of meaningless. Right. I think there's a naturalness as someone who 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 whose father was isn't my biological father. Um, there there's there's a huge loss in that because it ought to be right. <laughs> it ought to be closer. You know, the fullness of the pattern is a biological father is your father. Yeah. It ought to be. So there's a loss there. There's a thing to grieve there. But it's not a total loss because right. the presence of God the Father, that pattern finds its ways if if we participate in looking for it and if we participate in, in giving it to those, you know, around us. Your your kids are your biological kids. I'm their godfather. And I hope, I very deeply hope, especially as they get older to be able to be a genuine paternal resource right. to them uh, because you can't do it by yourself, man. You're a great dad. <laughs> you, you really, you really are. I'm not just pulling smoke. Thanks, Dan. Um, <laughs> but that's not enough. <laughs> I know. This, I know. This is where we ended you know? the first half, right? It's like, it's not, yeah. I, we, I can't do everything. I can't be everything. I'm going to be a certain type of person. I'm going to do the best job I can with the uh, with the resources like with what what i've got with the wisdom that i've got that i can participate in but i know that like it's there's gonna be there's gonna be gaps there's gonna be lacks there's gonna be certain ways in which what me trying to teach them the thing that i needed to learn for myself and try to hand it over to them is it gonna have exactly the opposite effect of what mm -hmm. right yeah. where it's gonna backfire right and i we like as they grow up i don't well, i don't know where that's gonna happen uh, right time will tell but and that that's exactly where like i know that that sometimes my voice will be exactly the voice that my kid yeah which you all can yeah. only see it growing up a hundred percent right yeah. which is why we have spiritual fathers we have god fathers. oh yeah and, and that kind of connects into something else you might another demonic pattern you mentioned right at the start so we sort of unpacked a little bit the the idolatry of the nuclear family as a as a demonic pattern you mentioned at the beginning corrupt fatherhood coming across as tyranny uh -huh. that's one what if you want to say more about that yeah well there's one i mean you listed <laughs> it could a few, be others. there can be others yeah yeah i mean i guess i'm just sort of thinking generally speaking of of kind of the an, an overbearing authoritarian father 
right? For whom, for whom, you know, fatherhood is not a responsibility that needs, like, not a mystery that needs to be, you know, not a mystery who's in which the pattern of fatherhood you're you're, you're constantly striving for the wisdom for how to manifest in your life, but assuming that because you have that role, that whatever you say goes or something like that. Right. Right. If I think it, then it must be. And it must be right. I don't. I can't speak with a lot of authority on this. Uh, I that, that's not how my father was. My father was a very good father um, and uh, compassionate and, and so forth. But one can just imagine. I mean, one in, in this day and age, it's that we sort of know about the we sort of know about the problem of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. It, fe- yeah. it feels like that. I mean, you shouldn't take too much for granted. Um, but we're sort of now in this time and place aware of the problem of abusive fathers and authoritarian mm-hmm. fathers. But I, if like the the reverse seems to be the bigger the bigger dark horse issue, which, which is a father uh, kind of absconding his mm. his um, a responsibility uh, and not that's a little more tricky. But but. And you can very easily get into politically incorrect <laughs> territory here, but it is, it does seem to be part of the vocation of the father to give order to, yeah. to manifest order, to help, yeah. help guide, um, and to, and to bear some of that weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I think mothers do that too, for sure. But I was, mothers I, have a <laughs> big weight to bear. Absolutely. In terms of order, I mean, both, both yeah, parents, well, I, I think it's u- yeah. uniquely a masculine thing, but they're all, I mean, there is something as well there, you know, that's a kind of, it's part of the father's role, but we weren't yeah. planning to talk about family today, but, and or fatherhood, but it, it um, as it happens earlier today, I was reading a bunch of statistics about, you know, what happens to fatherless kids. Uh-huh. And uh, it's not something I'd ever really d- ever dove into in terms of actual, you know, stats about outcomes. And I have to say, I was, I was shocked. There's nothing I could cite right now, but boy, like good grief. It's not a good scene. It's a huge predictor, right? Yeah. A huge predictor of, of awful stuff. Yeah. It's very, very, very bad. Um, and, and I'm, I'm sure if, you know, you went and studied motherless kids, there'd, there'd be a whole litany of issues there too. Right. So it's not to, you know, to take away from that. But I feel like right now that the, the political climate desperately wants to protect to some degree for good reasons, but desperately wants to protect the, the, the insight that it's possible, you know, it, it's possible for a mother on her own to raise decent, healthy kids. Right. And, and that is true. That's just a fact. All right. And we really want to protect that. We don't want to, put a burden on, you know, moms who end up having to raise kids by themselves right. to make them feel like this is impossible or my kids right. are going to become murderers or something. And and we shouldn't, we need to make sure they understand that like there are pathways to get there. Right. Uh, but to some degree, the, the desire to protect that, which is probably a good desire, at least in principle has also kind of cut off our ability to discuss the really really important and profound impact that that fathers that dads have on their children it's like we can't say we can't even mention or talk about the fact uh-huh. that when dads do play their role the right way or, or closer yeah. to the right way 
and are present and are there in the home that it's just way better like and the colossal st- difference stats brew that. and like we can't even say that because we don't want to insinuate that it yeah. means it's you know all is lost if the dad isn't I, there yeah like that's and i get i get that latter impulse but like the, the stats don't lie it's it's big man like well, the la- we got to try to live into that role we really have to that impulse that. that impulse makes sense as long as you think of the nuclear family as a as a well, right. That and, was the other thing I was going to say. Only yeah. unit, right? It's like you have yeah, to. Yeah. Like mothers can do it on their. Like no, like the mothers and fathers can't even do it on their own. We've been saying that now a few <laughs> times over right. the course of this right. conversation. Like, why would you think that mothers on their own could do could do it on their own? No, they like it can work, but you're really going to then want to lean more into all the surrogate fathers that you might have open yes, in your exactly. life, right? and that's yeah. where you do you want to be connected to a tribe, not just have mm-hmm. a. a um, a, a half-baked nuclear family or a, or a, you know, failure to launch nuclear family or, or some breakdown, right? You want, you, you want that tribal identity, right? And that's what our, our culture has, as is one thing our culture has done a very good job of depriving people of is a tribal yeah. identity, like other, like whatever, other than the nation or other than an ideological group, like an actual, local group of people that is yes. your yeah. extended family like a, a parish church a parish church you know? yeah or, or heck or even a, a even a like a flesh and blood clan right it's like yeah. fa- families that live live near each other and, and state and and raise each other's kids and and are organized around like even you know that's uh, there are issues that come with that in 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 sort of human culture that 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 Christianity, that the church as the assembly, that is a family is meant to solve. There are problems that come with those kind of flesh and blood clans, right? right. Clan thinking that those can be toxic too, right? For all sorts Super of reasons, toxic. right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But we don't even have that, right? It's like everyone's an atom every, right? It's, it's, yeah. Uh, and yeah. so we're in this weird position of having exactly as you say, to try to to affirm these kind of these broken down family situations as as completely fine like completely manageable they, they everything can be just just the same uh and it's not it's not true It's not it's not hopeless it's not that's hopeless the, that's the thing and and but, but like people people to be complete need to find a father figure i th- i mean i i think and i might just probably multiple father that. figures probably multiple Grandfa- yes. grandfathers yes. and fathers yes. and the like that and the family has to be the godfather spiritual fathers and, and uncles priests and totally. bishops and uncles and totally. yeah yeah and like I think that would be perhaps be a bit of a better message to somehow try to send. I mean, it's like I don't know how you do this writ large within a secularized right. society that has no reference point to these kinds of church relationships or or, or faith based relationships. But like I, you know, for those who are in a situation where the biological father isn't there or is gone, it's yeah, hope isn't lost. But yeah, your kids will they will need in some way if they're gonna grow up okay 
to access that pattern of fatherhood and and just as much too like we're focused we're, we're both men i think so yeah. we're gravitating towards this yeah. fatherhood thing but totally just as much too for the pattern of motherhood they have got to find places to access that and get that reflected to them if they're gonna be okay yeah. so hope isn't lost but you, you have a challenge on your hands yeah. that you know in, a family with, you know, one mom and one dad who are relatively healthy and we're all fallen sinners and we all screw things up. Yeah. Uh, but, but where it's a, you know, relatively stable home with a mom and a dad who sincerely love their kids and can, the ones who live with them can reflect that pattern on every single day kind of basis that like, that really is an ideal. That really is a best case scenario. And if you're falling short of that, you've got, you've got some extra challenges you can surmount them. It's possible because there's way more ways to access the pattern of fatherhood than through your biological father. But it's problematic to not admit that. Yeah, it's, that's a, that's a tough, it's a tougher hand to play. Yeah. It's not as good a hand. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I also think one, one more thing that sort of, I thought about a couple of times in this conversation, like the, or the organic, the organic nature of the connection being meaningful uh, and, and significant. I mean, like, because you talked about, like, the like having a disrupted relation with a biological father or mother is a real disruption, and yes. you're going to need. And even, I mean, and you have a good, you have a good dad who raised you, right? I very Not much so, a biological yeah, yeah. father, but Correct. but you know, and I've only met him once, or whatever. Like, it just seems. From by all by by your accounts and and having met him like a, just a real, a really good guy, um, but there's still you know as you know there's disruptiveness to that. Uh, but that even even where, you know that's one aspect of of organic connection, but there's you know I but I'm a, like I'm aware of this kind of, um, th- this kind of. Uh, pop sort of pop culture reading of plato that has him you know has this idea of taking all kids from uh, taking all kids from their parents and having them raised uh, by the by the collective or whatever uh which i don't i don't really see you, you don't like that idea i don't really see too many people pr- proposing <laughs> that but you know like it's like when we're talking about the church when we're talking about the church as a tribe what we're not talking about is that Right. It's not when we're talking about all the fathers and mothers that are kind of that are that are spread through the church. It's not it's exactly not the case that my kids are no longer my kids, but the kids of the community in general. Right. There are these these organic connections are meaningful. Hugely. Like I've been I've been kicking out a memoir on my whole situation, which is a wild story. So eventually. Eventually, if I get that done <laughs> and, and publish it, well, Not you know, quite the come podcast out of the material, but, but it's, it's... well, it would be a whole damn, it would be many episodes. But it's um, so I didn't grow up knowing this uh, that I wasn't being raised by my biological father. So that's a whole kettle of fish. But one of the things that has occurred to me as I kind of try to process that is that. I don't think this is the whole story, but part of the biological connection, part of the biological importance is that it helps you to see somebody who's got similar sort of innate biological, neurological tendencies and see how they live out, Uh you know, fatherhood, motherhood, and these kinds of roles. 
you you can still get a lot from somebody you're not biologically related to in terms of modeling, yep. right? Is what I'm saying. Yep. But there's also something really significant about. So my parents both have a very different temperament from me, very very different, including my dad, and that created a lot of tensions and problems in life. And really, only as I've been begun to be able to unpack what what actually happened to me as I grew up. Have I been able to step back and realize, ah, look at all, this whole list of things in my temperament that they just literally did not comprehend, could right. not understand. Why am I reacting? They had no idea. When I see my daughter and my sons react to something in this kind of innate way that I get, like my response to them is radically different from what my parents' res what right. response was to me. Because you get because it. Because like I, I just get you it. Get right? what and it's I can like be to like, be in that situation. Yeah, I just get. Feel what I get. Feeling. You know, we were talking about softball in the first half, yeah. and it's like Patty, my daughter. She she's just like me. She wears her emotions on the other side. Yep. You know, when they lose, it's a big deal. Yep. My parents were mystified, absolutely mystified, when I would lose a baseball game and be so upset. And I realized with Patty that it's like, oh, I, I totally get it. Like you want, no one likes to lose. What are you going to have, you know, enjoy that? And <laughs> I can know the rest of your teammates is not that big of a deal. And that's great for them. That's how they are. This is fine. But like, this is how you are. Yeah. And you, you take it hard and you, you're, you're, you're annoyed at yourself when you don't perform well. And I, I never would have thought that that could cut, somehow come through genes, but I've learned from my from my life experiences that it's shockingly a lot of it really does. Uh -huh. And so when I relate to my daughter or my sons too, I can be like, I get exactly how you're feeling, and it's a, how you're feeling is totally okay. But I, but I also I have a job too to model like how to deal with that, right? Like we're gonna we're not gonna deal with that by I don't know flipping out somebody or screaming or whatever, you know, throwing stuff, you know, but we're going to deal with that in this, in this more mature way. And we're going to, you know, and sometimes you get a bad call from the ump and it sucks and you're just going to feel that. And yeah, maybe we'll have a little ice cream on the way home. Maybe we'll listen to, you know, a song we like. And I noticed that she will bounce back from it within, you know, 20 and 30 minutes. It's no problem for me. Uh, when the response was, mystified bafflement to the point of being kind of shamed for those sorts of reactions then it would you know carry on for days and weeks and you know years in a lifetime in a lot of ways yeah and um it's because they're not wearing you know the suit they're the the suit of the body that they're wearing is so different you know they just wouldn't ever respond that way and so they don't they don't know they never actually learned how to manage the kinds of innate and emotional or psychological reactions that i have so they can't show me that right and that's a big problem whereas when i look at my kids who are all my biological kids there's a lot of these sorts of things that that i get and i have learned to manage or am at least still trying to learn to manage and so i can give them some pointers right in the kind of in a base sense um that my parents just weren't able to give and that that's a loss um and you know they tried their best and my dad um, but you know, there's a thing there that's being asked of him that he can't yeah. really do because he doesn't. He just doesn't know. The, the metaphor that I really occurred to me is when I finally did meet my biological father was just the way he did his hair, and that sounds so mundane and silly. Uh -huh. But I'm like, holy crap! I like I get how to kind of make my hair look okay now after <laughs> 40 years. Yeah, right. You just kind of got to, I got to, got to let it be a little wilder. And that's uh, what actually works. Uh, but I didn't grow up with anyone who had my hair because right. it didn't come from that, from my mom's side of the family, who's my biological mother. And it, and it didn't come from my 
dad because he's not my biological father. And like, it's, you know, it's a dopey little thing, but all this, is, this light bulb goes off and it's like, oh, here's, and if I'd been raised by, by my biological father, I would have had someone to show me like how to deal with your hair. Right. Um, and the hair is not that important, but these bigger things actually really are. So I think that's part of, it's not all of, but it's a big part of why the biological connection matters. We we have with our biological kids about 50% of their genes and about 50% of their body. And we've tried it out. And then hopefully they have that other biological parent, you know, that's the ideal anyway, yeah. who's had, who's got the other 50%, who's got the other half. Yeah. And between the two of us, we've both tried this machine out. We've yeah. learned where all the levers <laughs> and, and buttons are. And we can now take, walk you through it, how to, yeah. uh, you know, how to, how to use this machine as a grown-up would, and uh, and that that's that's important. It's not yeah. unimportant. But if you don't have it, it, you know, it's not that all hope is lost, um, because there are also these bigger, these general patterns that you can still absolutely model and show. Yeah. And uh, and and then there's also the flip side of having people in your life going back to where we were before, who there there is a, there is a wisdom too in people who have a totally different set of machinery as well. They might've learned some things too that you can also learn. I'm sure, I know for sure that I learned a ton from my dad that I wouldn't have learned if he wasn't my dad, right? So like there's a loss on this one side, there's gains on this other side and, you know, glory to God, it it all unfolds the way it's going to unfold. But to pretend that there's no losses, that's absurd. Um, But to pretend that there's no hope is equally, equally absurd. I think yeah yeah it's a what's a it's a wild illustration i mean i think like the other th- part part of what part of what i think you you need to go like there's there's a there's a level out also that um like beyond the biological connection having an organic connection to to the local to what's local is like the next is like the next layer and having mm-hmm. an actual connection with people like it's 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 because one of the, one of the if if we're not um if we're not all literally platonists in that in that sense uh that i was mentioning before about everyone sort of becoming wards of the state so to speak uh, even if there may, may be some some temptation toward that but um what we do wind up having is looking to the internet looking to uh, ideological communities, looking to online communities and looking for parenthood there. Like it matters that it matters that when I became a deacon, when I became the father of a community, it's a particular community and there, and it's like, it's right. It, it's up the road and it's people, this you know, who get together, you know, who um, can sit down physically when, with one another in the same space uh, and and be physically present with one another. Uh, that it's not it's not a kind of abstracted community. An ab- right that these mothers and fathers are actually physically present and part of a local part of a local community. Uh, yeah. I think is I think is is really key. Uh, and that's it. You know, is it is it going to replace the 
you know, sort of tying it, tying it to your example about like, there's, there's that kind of loss and, and the missing that, you know, the missing connection of, of not knowing your biological father as you grow and what, and what loss there is there. And yet, like, if you can be connected with other people in life, like the, the example about the hair is interesting because it's so tactile. Mm-hmm. And if what yeah. we're looking for from our fathers and mothers are things that can't just be tweeted, right? You could never yeah. have gotten that. You could never have picked that up from your from your biological father mediated online. You couldn't have. No. Well, because they don't know me. They don't know me at all. Right. Like it ha- like there's something about having it having to be in person, like that that father-mother relation, the having to be having to be local because the just because of the kinds of things that you pick up. And I think about all like what father and motherhood does been reflecting a lot too lately. It's come up, you know, we've got a mission parish uh, south of the city here. There's a lot of kids, it's a lot of converts and a lot of kids, like the kids under 10 outnumber the adults. Like it's, wow. in, it's intense and it's a, it's a legitimate struggle and yeah. it's a very clear why. And it's because there are, there are so few examples of mature, uh, parenthood and mature childhood so that the the younger kids can see how older kids behave in church do you know what i mean it's like for one mm-hmm. there are just so many of them that that's like the the inmates are ruling the asylum but also <laughs> that, that because it's so convert heavy and there are so few there aren't very many people who are older and who have been either cradle orthodox who have been in the faith for a long time anyways the, like the right to the point being like the kinds of things that you need to pick up from your fathers and mothers in your community are not necessarily the kinds of things that you can learn online. No, right. It's these patterns of movement and behavior and and comportment and, and, and how you conduct behavior that are just are, that are implicit in all these examples around you and these people who love you and are trying to show you how to do right. It's like, you have to be physically present with one another. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it, it points to, you know, I, I have I, you know, had a spiritual father as well. And you, you like you need that, too. You know, I was saying about the hair and the, uh-huh. the loss of not having someone in my life who knew how to manage the biological, physiological hand I was dealt. That's a big loss. Um, but, you know, you also need someone to help you manage life of faith uh-huh. and, and neither my biological family nor my social family as as they say um was orthodox christians you know so i need you know i need a spiritual father and i need my many spiritual mothers as well uh to show me the ropes of that right that's a kind of diff it's a, not a biological machinery but it's a, a sort of type of machinery i need someone to show me how to pull those levers and push those buttons too and they've got to be local and real and organic and they can't be an abstract person screaming about something on the internet right. or talk even talking patiently or even doing a podcast like we're right. like we're, yeah. we're we're not being fathers when we do this podcast no, anyone right. who's listening uh, we may be friends maybe at most but uh definitely not this is not an act of fatherhood to do this mm-hmm. podcast and share these ideas and thoughts even if it's a good thing to do um but like i need i need a spiritual father who could show me specific yeah how to take this huge tradition that's 2000 years old and has, you know, so whatever, so many pathways within it and figure out how I'm going to live into that. And we, we all need that too. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's the people who kind of guide you to learn the patterns that they've already learned. Right. And, yeah. uh, yeah, we, we all, we all need that. Well, man, yeah, this has been really interesting. Yeah. You got, I feel like I got a lot to gnaw on how we're going to be good dads. How should we be good dads, Greg? <laughs> we're fathers in general, including being deacons. Uh, you got to pray. Father, the act of the, the, the principal act of fatherhood is, is, uh, prayer leading in prayer. I'm terrible. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or whatever. I mean, what I have is false humility, I suppose, but, but like something to aspire to that in terms of the responsibility I've been given and the, and the thing I need to aspire to is like the elder, the, the, the father of the father of the family, the father of the tribe leads, leads people, leads the tribe in prayer. He's law offers the sacrifice on behalf of brings, brings the sacrifice to the temple on behalf of the tribe, uh, you know, plays, you know, so tending to figure out what that means, right? Figure out what that means. I mean, that's, it seems dead on, you know, fatherhood and motherhood are a participation in a divine pattern. Yeah. If that's really true, then it can, it's not possible to, to, to do it well. And we will always do it to some degree poorly because yeah. we are fallen people. Yeah. We will never do it perfectly. But to, to try to do it even well or to try to even do it better than I did it yesterday yeah. will always mean remembering in, and this is what prayer does, remembering that it's a pattern from above. Yeah. If I'm a father yeah. to my kids, but then also to many other people around me in many ways, if I forget, if I make my the idol myself, which is you know what Saint John Cassian calls pride, I think, uh-huh. um, then then it's just coming from me, which makes it willy nilly right. and garbage, and and now I can become a I can become a tyrant, I can become all kinds of awful things. Yeah. Uh, but if if I turn my mind in prayer to recall the divine pattern of fatherhood and motherhood, because God is also our mother. As, as the Lord himself uses some, some feminine metaphors to talk about God, the, the mother hen and these sorts of things, yeah. uh, which are very, very important to keep in mind. They're much more rare. And, and that's probably a reason for that. Yeah. But we don't have to unpack it right now, but, um, but they're there too, right? Yeah. Like to, to, as fathers and mothers to turn our minds to the true father and true mother who is God, God, the father. Yeah. Um, how could we possibly, you know, that's, that's us, you know, I'm talking about my not knowing how to do my hair. Cause no one, <laughs> I don't, no one who knew the playbook at the fundamental level, there's only one who knows. And if we don't try to listen in prayer yeah. to, to God, the father, then, yeah. then we're learning nothing ourselves. Yeah. And, and, and how could we possibly take forward that pattern if we never yeah. listen for it? And then we're just going to grab demonic patterns, yeah. whatever happens to come across yeah. our way. Yeah. yeah, that's right. The pattern is from above. Well, it's almost dormition, so maybe we should uh, go back and pray, and then in a couple of days think about uh, God's mother, the beautiful pattern of motherhood, right. which we didn't talk as much about, but a little bit about, and uh, see if we can emulate that just uh, just a touch, just a little bit. Let's give it a shot, man. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. See you next time. Yeah.
Need more money 